All right, everybody, welcome to another week of hockey as, oh, man, now it's not letting me go to Park Sportsbook's Twitter. I don't know what's going on. Uh, we'll have to fix that. Um, it's another week of Park Sportsbook presents Stick to Hockey Live. It is Jason Mertitis, and our guest today will be Martin Buran, the former Ranger, former Saber, former Flyer goaltender, will join us momentarily, uh, all brought to you by Park Sportsbook. Make sure you download the app and check it out because... It's so easy to use and get in on the action. Great football action this weekend. You could have had uh, some action on, obviously, the hockey card and much more. Tones takes. Tones been ripping it up. And get the app. Download it on your Android or your iOS phone and get in on the action. Even if you're using another service, try Park Sportsbook because it's great. And they're a local company, so we can trust them. Easy deposits, fast payouts, and no promo required for your first bet. Just deposit, open an account, deposit, and your first bet is risk-free up to $500. And make sure you follow Parks on all the social channels at Parks Sportsbook on Twitter, uh, on Facebook, also Instagram and YouTube. You'll get great content there, and you'll also get daily specials and all kinds of great information. So make sure you check it out. Parks Sportsbook, we love them. Uh, they present this podcast. They present Ajis, which we'll do tomorrow with Harry Mays. Uh, we've had some great guests on Stick to Hockey Live since we relaunched here for, uh, I guess, what we'll call a delayed season two. But there's a lot to discuss today as the Flyers now have lost 11 straight games. 11 straight games. It's unbelievable. They're back at it tonight. They take on the Dallas Stars at Wells Fargo. Back-to-back uh, -back today and tomorrow. Tonight at home against the Stars. Tomorrow on the road against the Islanders. And it's a shame because Keith Yandel is going to tie Doug Jarvis's record tonight. It's a shame it's kind of overshadowed by how poorly the team has played and it'll break the record coming up tomorrow night against the Islanders, presumably. And it's a pretty impressive record to stay in the lineup as long as he has coupled with doing that during a pandemic. But let's talk to him right now from MSG networks covers the Buffalo Sabres television analyst, former NHL goaltender, former stud at the Quebec peewee tournament and a good guy to talk to. It is Marty Biron. Marty, how are you? I'm doing really good. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing good, and I am now jealous because I got the masks on my wall, but your wall is legit and way better than my wall. Well, I, you know what is funny is one of my favorite masks that I wore, the two, my two favorite masks that I wore while playing are not on the wall. The the one that I had with Buffalo that was split red and black and it had the yeah. Sabres logo, whatever, that one got stolen. So it uh, it got stolen with my car and my gear one year in Montreal. I got the car, got the gear back, never got the mask back. So this one I don't have. And my Flyers one, which was a really, really good paint, a good paint job. It was the flying, you know, lumberjack, uh, you know, on a with a goalie stick instead of a hatchet or whatnot on the Flyers logo. That I ended up getting redone and repainted over because I like the mask so much. And when you like a mask and it fits well. You want to keep it. So I painted over it. So I don't have that one. I'm going to have to get a replica made at some point. But uh, yeah, so I got some some of my masks, some of my junior masks, like that one over here. That's my Beauport Harfang mask when I was playing in junior. So, yeah. um, you know, I got some uh, some good memories up there. Well, yeah, I, I start considering wearing some of the masks. I love the that's an Amerix mask behind you as well, right? With yeah, right here. That's my Rochester Americans mask. And then I'm going to try to pan out. So these two here were with the New York Rangers, but they were a copy of my Rochester Americans mask because I like the Amerix mask so much. Um, yeah. This one here was a replica of the Gilles Graton. Remember Gilles Graton yep. for the Rangers? He had the lion mask. Mm -hmm. That was for Winter Classic one. Um, so the one actually in Philly. So, and then on the side, this is my midget major midget very yeah. first mask I ever had. So you're uh, going helmet that, and cage before that, right? Yeah, exactly. So I was wearing a helmet, CCM helmet and just a regular cage. Very math for first mask, junior, junior Rochester. This one I never wore. That was a mask that Cole made for me that never really worked out well. So, um, yeah. Awesome. So. You know, cool. easy. Just a nail. You take the back plate out, just put a long nail into the wall, and you sit the mask on it, and it looks fine. 
Yep, I got a few. I got a, a bunch laying around here as well as my latest yep. one. And that's your lit. Yeah, yeah. And it's time for an upgrade because there's a big bend in the bar, and that compromises the bar. And ah, uh, you know what? If you came across and look at all my cages, uh, let me. They're show all that banged up, one. right? Uh, oh yeah. So this one I actually wore, but you could see. Look at Ooh. that bend in this one. But I liked it because it made the eyes bigger. So I was like, I don't want to change. Like. <laughs> When I was with the Flyers, Harry Bricker and uh, Derek Selmeyer were my equipment guys. And they were like, Marty, we need to change your cage. Nope. No, you're not touching my cage. It's <laughs> bent, but it's not broken. And they'd yeah. be like, dude, this is so dangerous. And they're like, "We remember Brian Boucher got the puck stuck in the mask, yeah. the whole thing. That will be you, but it will be right in your eye. And I'm like, no, I'm keeping it. I like it. So they, Do you remember, um, do you remember yeah, who shot like, that puck to bend that bar? Don't remember. I remember talking to Bush about it. He broke out the mask when we had him on with the puck wedged in it. And he said it was Scott Gomez who took that shot. Oh, wait, well, Go Gomer did not have a, a hard shot. It had to be said. perfectly placed to go in. I remember Jean Sebastian Aubin. He was with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Same thing happened to him. Uh, puck got stuck in his, uh, in his cage. He actually missed some time because he had internal bleeding behind the, the eye. It hit the eye just enough that it caused bruising behind the uh, the eye or whatever. Yeah, Bush said, thank God it wasn't Jason Arnott who shot it. <laughs> oh, or Chris Bronger, right? Yeah. Like, oh, that would have been hard. Let me ask you, in, in all your years playing, who was the guy that you, you had the hardest time reading his shot, the release or the power or just got on you? Because some guys have a heavy shot. Some guys have a quick shot. Uh, the guy that had the most success on me uh, it was Yarmir Yager. And I think Yags had the long reach. Uh, he was so strong on his legs. He, you never really knew what he was going to do. And he could shoot the puck from anywhere, from out far, from in tight. Could shoot the puck from anywhere. He was really, really hard to read uh, when he was coming down. Now, the heaviest shot I've ever um, had to face, uh, there was two. One I played with was Chris Gratton. Chris Gratton had a, a heavy, a, a bullet. It was hard. It was like a jackhammer that I wanted to push right through you. But he had zero confidence in it. Every time he mm -hmm. shut the puck in practice and he went like really hard, blew it by me, he'd be like, uh, was that hard? I'm like, grats, like you have a rocket of a shot. <laughs> like, like, come on. Like, he, I can't believe you don't know that. Him and then one guy that had a, a sneaky but heavy shot was Shane Doan. And I was at the world championship one year and he was there and it literally hurt. Every time he shut the puck, even a wrist shot or a slapper, the thing would hit your shoulder and just blow it right out. Like he yeah. had a really sneaky, heavy shot. Uh, but those were the guys, yeah. Those guys, when the heavy shot like that, some shots hit you and they just bounce off. It's like, <clears throat> poof. But the heavy yeah. shot tends to feel like it hits your bone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the puck's heavier. I'm like, did you use a heavy puck? You yeah. know those like red pucks for stick handling? They're heavier. Yeah. Is, it, is that what you're using? Because it felt different. I played in a, uh, an alumni game against John LeClaire and in warm-ups, he almost knocked my legs oh. out from under me. I was like, Jesus, God, it was just yeah, a snapshot. I, I, yeah, I, LeClaire had a good shot, but I remember playing in an alumni game in Toronto and he was there. Um, I think that's uh, when they got the um, the Legion of Doom lined together with the Big E, him and Michael Remberg. I, I believe that's when the Big E went into the hall. Yeah. I, yeah. Three years I ago. think that, yeah. So we played and in warm ups, exactly the same thing. Like, you know, you're just there to have a good time. I'm taking shots or whatever. He came in, he took a slapper. <laughs> the thing zipped right by me. Like, oh, that was heavy. And yeah. like I said to John, I said, look, maybe you never had a heavy shot or maybe you did. But, you know, we're all retired and we put on a few pounds and now you can really lean into it. It's a lot heavier then. <laughs> <laughs> I may not have the same accuracy. You can't get up and down the ice quite as well, but that's all right. Uh, yeah. That's great. Uh, Marty, you got a chance to witness that game on Saturday in Buffalo. Uh, Flyers lose their 11th straight game. Buffalo takes the 6-3 win. W what did you take away from the game from, from really both teams? Because both teams are struggling, but the Flyers even more so of late. <clears throat> yeah, well, what I thought was... Uh, the Sabres have young talent that is trying to, to, to make a case for where they're going, right? They're, they are not where the Flyers are at right now. I think the Flyers and their young talent, 
um, are a few years ahead. Now the Flyers are in a really tough spot trying to figure out what they're doing moving forward. But the the, the Sabres can play a little bit more freely, right? They they go into Detroit and they lose 4 nothing, and it's a bad game last week. Uh, and then, you know, to the, the, the game before, they beat Nashville on the road. Like there's a lot of inconsistency, but when the young guys are playing and playing really well, uh, it makes a difference. And I'm talking to young guys. I'm talking Dallin. I'm talking Tate Thompson. I'm talking Peyton Krebs. And and before that was Jack Quinn and, and JJ Paterka. Uh, I'm talking about Alex Tuck, who's 25 or 26 years old, but he's a newcomer and he's still young. You know, when you consider the NHL and what this guy with the big body, what he can do. So I think they've got they've got a lot of good pieces. What I felt was the big, big issue with the Flyers, uh, and and I don't have stats to back it up. I, I have a lot of stats to back up. Sometimes my and 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 I meant to look it up and I forgot. But I felt like the Flyers never blocked any shots. I mm-hmm. felt like the Sabers basically could walk in and from the flank or whatnot and just shoot the puck. Uh, they they never got anybody in the shooting lane and made the job really hard on Martin Jones. Not that he had a good game, uh, but it just they they need help. Like the 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 Flyers goalies when in all considering two 10 game plus you know winless streak. Um, I feel that their numbers are not as bad as you would have thought if yeah. you tell me hey you know what they're gonna struggle and and lose well, be win less than 10 and now be win less than 11. Um, I would have thought they would have been a lot worse than that, but they're not. It just, they need help. There's nobody blocking shots. So as soon as the Sabres saw that, it gave them confidence because they got good shooters. Buffalo's got really good shooters. Sage Thompson is a really good shooter. He needs a little bit of time to let it go and he gets the blocks a lot. But, you know, on the, um, the, the, the penalty that the Flyers got for the failed challenge on the offside, you know, like he walked in untouched in the slot on the power play and there was nobody around him. He was able to take a, a better angle, better angle. And then he shot at 5-0 Martin Jones and you're saying, ah, that's a bad goal. But at the same time, how do you let a guy walk in that close and take that type of shot? So I, I really think that their uh, their attention to details and especially blocking shots is uh, is non-existent right now. And that's a bad thing because, you know, Marty, <clears throat> the, the word that's been kind of used to describe this Flyers team with the two 10 game winless streaks now 11 for the second one is fragile. And as, as oh. a, a former player, you hate players hate two words, fragile and soft, right? Yeah. Th- that's like the worst thing you can call a hockey player, but this team collectively right now, there's a fragility to it. And you can see it on the ice. So I, I this is, this is important to make a, a difference between the players are soft and they are playing soft. Yes. I don't think anybody is soft. Everybody wants to go out and play hard. Uh, but there's a compete and a battle level that you need to achieve. Don and Bo challenged a guy the other day. Basically, Dallas, he said, we got pushed around. We lost every puck battle. We lost every board battle. We lost every physical battle. And Dallas, who the Flyers are going to see now, um, they can play a heavier game when they uh, they get they get on you and they get on pucks like that. So you look at the Sabers. How do you respond from that? Well, because the Sabers are playing with a little bit less um, stress and pressure, they you know they know where they're at and they're just hoping to 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 play well. Well, they decided to take it to heart and say we're we're gonna win battles. Look at the first goal the Sabers play scored. It's it's Jeff Skinner that wins a battle in the neutral zone against James Van Riemsdyk. Jeff Skinner is six uh, five eleven. Van yeah. Riemsdyk is a lot bigger. Van Riemsdyk should not have lost that battle. He was uh, he's not soft because we all know JVR and how he plays. But that was a soft play right there. So I'm not yeah. calling him soft. I'm saying the play was soft. And then Skinner gets in deep, and it's Alex Tuck that goes in and wins a battle against two flyers in the yeah. corner. And then the puck comes back to Skinner. It's in the back of the net, and it's one nothing. A couple minutes in, right? Like that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying everybody wants to play hard. Everybody wants to compete, but right now they have a softness to their play that is not allowing them to to gain any confidence in their game. And then once it gets going the other way, all of a sudden failed challenge. Man, instead of being up two one, you're two two. You're going on a penalty kill. It's like you've lost all confidence. 
I, yeah. I could tell, I, I could totally tell in the Flyers mood, like when they panned on the bench with the camera, like this team is thinking we're going to get scored here. Like, yeah. you know, they were, they all look at the iPad and they all saw that there was, it was onside by the one millimeter. I actually think it may have been offside on the Peyton Krebs, like getting in, but the league said there was not enough conclusive evidence to overturn the call on the ice, which I get it. It was that close, right? But everybody on that bench for the Flyers looked at the iPad like, oh, that's offside. Oh, well, now we got screwed. And now we're going to give up another power play goal. Now we're going to be down 3-2. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, whoa, what's, where's the mindset? Where's the confidence? And it's just not there. Yeah, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy to lose. Let, let me ask you about being a part of a team that's going through something like this from both sides. As an opponent, so Buffalo goes into that game. They know the Flyers have lost 10 straight for the second time this season. They're going into that game. They smell blood in the water. As a member of a team facing a team that's struggling like that, you know you got a team that's fragile, and you want to jump on them early. And Skinner gets that goal a minute 29 in. So I imagine from an opposition standpoint, you're looking at it and going, well, we're not going to be the team that loses to them. And yeah. they're fragile, so let's get on them. Yeah, but that well, can make I think them dangerous. It's, it's scary depending on what type of team you are. If you're the Tampa Bay Lightning and a team yeah. coming in as a winless 10-game uh, winless streak, you're like, we're taking care of them. But the Buffalo Sabres, it's different. You're almost scared to be like, oh, we don't want to be the team that's going to lose to the Flyers and they've not won in 10, right? So um, I, I think that, again, that could play – uh, on on your mind a little bit. Uh, being on the road and being at home is a big difference. I felt yeah. like this game in Buffalo for the Flyers may have been good for them to go on the road and and maybe not not worry about having you know the fan on you if you're down one nothing and just play your game. Although um, it didn't work that way. Um, I was part of a ten game winless streak one year. My first year in Philadelphia. So we're talking about oh seven oh eight oh six oh seven. Uh, no, that was I. Well, 06, 07 was when I got traded. But the next oh, yeah. year, 07, 08, we had a 10 game winless streak at the trade at the all star break. We were first in they used to call it the Atlantic division at the time. Yep. It was all these Atlantic team, New Jersey, Philly, us, whatever, Islanders, uh, the Rangers. Uh, and then so we were first in the division at the all star break. We lost the first 10. Well, some overtime loss, but first ten after the All-Star break. And we were out of a playoff spot. And I remember, and sometimes it's the stupidest of things. We had the Flyers' Wives' Carnival, and then we were departing for Buffalo. So the Flyers' Wives' Carnival was on a Sunday, let's say, at the, uh, at the arena. And uh, everybody was in a bad mood. Like, we were like, what are we doing we were first in the division. We're out of a playoff spot right now. What is going on? I had to go on the ice and take shots from fans for five hours. Five Oof. hours in my gear with fans walking down the stairs and coming in and thinking, and, and they licking their chops like, you suck, Marty. You guys have lost 10 in a row. I'm going to show you how I can score on you. And I was mad. I was like, kids are coming in. I'm kind of letting them score. And then there's Joe Schmo that comes down and he goes bar down and, and you know, or bar out. Like I didn't give up a lot of goals to adults because I was like, I'm not letting you score. I'm bearing was, down here. I, yeah. And, but they're hitting you right in the mask or in the shoulder. I'm like, are you serious? Like, this is, this is charity. Like I yeah. get you want to score, but we got to fly out to Buffalo and we're playing tomorrow. I don't want to take one in the juggler and be out cold. <laughs> right. So anyway, exhausted by the end of it five hours uh me and nitty and taro nitty Mackey are taking shots uh then i remember bernie perron came in to take some shots i was like bernie like what are you doing it, like this is he didn't want to wear a mask anyway a long story short we get to buffalo we're still sour about the 10 game winless streak we're exhausted from the carnival we're like we were playing in Buffalo and then we won and we stopped the 10 game lose well winless streak and we won. And then we got ourselves going and made the playoffs on the second last game of the season. I'm just saying sometimes you need a break, right? We, we had a, our, our anger or maybe our, our energy was triggered into a different direction. We didn't think about the last game and the last 10 games. We were just thinking like, Oh my God, this was the hardest thing. I've ever had to do is stand for five hours in a little patch of ice and take shots from fans. 
Yeah. Practices were easier compared to that because we were sweating, we were exhausted, but we won. So I was like, okay, well, sometimes you need to do something different to uh, to change it around. Your memory is fantastic. You won that game against Buffalo in the shootout for the Jeff Garter, I believe, scored a game yeah. the, the game deciding shootout goal. Yeah, and uh, that losing streak went from February sixth all the way until uh, February twenty third. Tough time of year to have one as well. Uh, from the other side, you know, when you're when you're in the middle of that as a goalie, you know, you just kind of alluded to it a minute ago. Flyers have gotten bounce back goaltending for the most part this entire season. It hasn't been perfect, but it's been incredibly better than it was last year. Yet the team hasn't reaped the reward. You know, one of the things and one of the fears of Flyer fans is that Carter Hart with this team playing as poorly as it is, that eventually it's going to wear him down and it's going to damage him as a goaltender moving forward. I don't know that that's going to damage him, but I think it's going to build his, uh, uh, his, his character maybe and, uh, and uh, give him the, the desire to continue working and working harder uh, because there is some deficiency in this game and we can talk about that, but you're right. Like the Flyers, I believe, are 29th in expected goals against. Yeah. Uh, they're only 28 in expected goals for. So you're looking at, you know, even if you were getting – Average, well, they're getting, I think, average to above average goaltending, uh, mostly by Carter Hart. I don't know that uh, Marty Jones is getting that, but anyway, Hart is doing it. Uh, and even if you were, you know, just saying, hey, we're getting average goal scoring, it'd be 28 in goal scoring. I mean, it just can't happen. You want to find an identity. Like right now, the Flyers' identity is we don't create enough and we give up too much. That's not a winning identity. That That no. is not a winning identity at all. I understand that they've gotten a lot of injuries. Uh, Ryan Ellis, uh, you know, Hayes, now Faraby was out. Uh, Couturier. I mean, they've gotten a lot of injuries. So, but, but every team has a lot of injuries. Buffalo had 12 guys on the injured reserve when they played them the other day. So, I mean, teams are having to deal with that all around the league right now on top of the COVID protocol. So, it, it is what it is. But you look at Carter Hart, okay, and I pulled, like, I have access to some, you know, advanced stats through sports logic and, and all of that. I'm looking at goals saved above expectations. And who are the best goaltenders in the league when you look at that metric? Basically, with the quality of shots you're getting and every shot gets a value, this should be going in at this rate, this should be going in at this rate. Who's saving more goals than the league average? And who's giving up more goals than the league average? Well, Shesterkin, no right? Shesterkin's number two right now. Uh, Vili Husso is number one. Shesterkin was one all year because Husso hadn't played enough games. But right now, Husso won in St. Louis, who's making a strong case for, yeah. okay, what is St. Louis going to do? Are they keeping Bennington moving forward? Which I think they will with the contract. But they probably will have to move Vili Husso because he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Uh, but you continue down Sorokin in Long Island having a really good season. Tristan Jack Jarry, Campbell, yeah. Jack Campbell, Freddie Anderson, UC Soros, Andre Vasilevsky, Antti Ranta, Sergei Bobrovsky, Tasha Demko. And then at number 15, okay, 15 out of I have 59 goalies that qualified for the perimeters I put, basically goalies that have played over 500 minutes. At number 15 is Carter Hart. Carter Hart is saving above expected at the 15th best rate in the National Hockey League. That's That Average. should be enough. That should be enough. You know, you're the top 15 goalies in the National Hockey League. If you were 29th, 30th, 31st, I'd say, okay, you're average. But he's saving almost, and I have it right here, he's saving a quarter of a goal a game. So every four games, one goal he's saving that – a, an average goalie would give up. People are going to say, that's it. Hey, it's that's huge. <laughs> it's huge in the goalie world. Mm -hmm. Okay. One goal every four game is huge. That one goal every four game is the difference between a 2.75 goals against average goals against average and a 2.5 goals against average. There's a big difference right there. The best goalies in the world save a goal every two games. Okay. A goal every four game is great. A goal every eight games would be great, as long as you're on the, the the better side of it. So I do think Carter Hart is has got some some things he needs to work in his game technically, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. But but when you just look at the data and the numbers, 
he's he's having a really good year. And yeah. the Flyers are not either creating enough or they're not helping him and defending enough for him to be able to have success. Yeah, he's, they're not. The Flyers just have to work too hard to score, and scoring's been so they just haven't gotten the job done offensively this year. The power play has been a train wreck as well. Let's talk about his game technically. What what are you seeing yeah. out of Carter's game? Because we know Marty, he's a um, one of those very technical goaltenders. Efficiency and movement, you know, everything is under control. Uh, he's not one of those guys that's going to take a ton of ice like a flurry or a quick in his day and be sprawling all over the place unless he has to. Uh, so what do you see out of his game? Where are the areas where he could have some you know, improvements in, in his success rate at the NHL level? Well, there's, there's two main things for me when I look at Carter Hart's game. One is he's very stiff. And again, because he's such a very technical type goaltender, he yeah. plays in a box, right? So he's very stiff. And he moves, and the, the athleticism that the best goalies in the world are showing right now, again, you talk about Shesterkin, you're talking about Bobrovsky, you're talking about Vasilevsky. Those guys have incredible um, athleticism in their game. Now, a goalie that's stiff and that's very technical could, could be at the top of the league. Like Connor Hallebuck, for me, is a very stiff goaltender. Mm -hmm. Very technical, very stiff. Get the body in front of the puck, and that's the way it works. Well, he won a Vesna. He's good, right? John Gibson is very stiff. I don't love John Gibson, but I know the rest of the world do. Um, I don't love him because I don't think he has that that side that's athletic and, and a little bit outside of the box. But everybody seems to love John Gibson, but he's stiff. I think Carter Hart is stiff. And for me, like I would want him to be able to develop that side of him that – has hip mobility, core strength, flexibility. You don't fall on your butt all that often. You don't fall forward that often. You're able to keep control of all of that, but show athleticism. That's a part of it. But it's hard because you've been the same goalie at high level at 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and, and that's the way you've been successful. And now yeah. you're being told like, hey, you know what? Maybe you need to do Pilates and yoga and all of that to open your body up. Maybe we need to branch out and and make you unstiff you a little bit. So that's the one thing which it doesn't bother me because I think he can be very, very good in this stiffness in his box, the way that he plays. The second thing is what bothers me a little bit more. His there's this thing going on around the goalie world right now that everybody's trying to teach this shifting. You got a shift in the puck. The puck is being shot, let's see, to the blocker side. You got to shift your body and try to get your body as, as middle as you can to the puck. And hopefully you get it in your body. There's less and less reacting to the shot where my body stays middle. And I'm just going to react yeah, with the blocker. Yeah. My body stays middle. I'm just going to react with the glove. I, the glove. I think what Carter Hart does is if there's a shot to the glove, he tries to get his body to the glove and he's shifting. And... I understand how that's good on deflections and screenshots when you don't have center mass, sight. yeah, center mass, like find out your data, right? The shot is being taken. Your brain is calculating all these angles and all the data and says, okay, you don't have a clear sight of it, but if you move over there, you have a better chance of having the puck hit you. I totally get that. But on clear sight shots, I want guys that are reacting, that are puck tracking and they're reacting, yep. that their legs are kicking, their arms are kicking. So again, in the stiffness that Carter Hart is, he likes to shift a lot in the pucks. And that to me is, is where I would make the biggest adjustment if I was Carter Hart, if I was training him, is I would say, we're going to take a whole summer and we're going to get away from the shifting and we're going to work on reacting. We want you to react. Now, the shifting will always be part of his game because of the way he plays, but add an element of a little bit of an old school. I'm, a, I'm not an old school type goaltender in the way that I watch the game. I very much like the RVH when it's used properly. I like the, the shifting when it's used properly. Um, I really like goalies that stay deeper if they can do it. Now there's goalies that have to be on top of their crease. I like to see every element of goaltending. But there's always a, such a thing with goalies that can react to pucks and make saves. And, you know, Mika Kiprasov, like the guy could catch every puck and his hands and his, and his legs Cross were his so body. <laughs> it was unbelievable, right? I mean, that is the big thing. And for me, that's the big 
thing that Carter Hart would need to work on to take his game to the next level because he was able to get to a certain level and now he needs to get to the next level. It, it's adding more tools to your toolbox is what it's doing because like Kippersoff was a guy, I, mean, I remember Marty, he caught everything. Everything. And what he did by doing that was he just muted plays. They were done. They were over with. It was whistle uh, when he would catch it. If you slide into a puck like that or you shift into a save, then there's a rebound, and now you have also the inertia of your body moving to the right. If something does happen and that puck is moving to the left, now your whole body's got to go to the left, fighting the area it's going. If you're, if you're just using the hand on a simple block or turn to the corner, your body's still centered, and you're still over your feet. Yeah, and you, you, you obviously you have control of your yep. body, control of your core. Uh, and again, it comes back to, like I said, you watch the last you know, eight or nine games that Carter Hart has played, and you watch the goals. Every goal is always in the same position. He's always very proper butterfly or reverse VH. But but there's not that extra, oh, I reacted to it. Oh, I reacted to it. It's like, I was there, but the puck didn't hit me, so it went into the net. Now, John Tortorella had a famous saying, and the guys that played for Torts in New York would tell you, like, not about goaltending, about everybody. He used to say, hey, you're there, but you're not there. You're there, but you're not there. And guys would be like, what does that mean? I'm there, but I'm not there. How can I be there, but not there? <laughs> but you're there, but you're you're not doing anything. Like it does, it's not good enough to just be there. It's good enough to be there and do something with it. Um, Henrik Lundqvist, which I'm going to his Jersey retirement ceremony on Friday. Can't wait. But he was the goalie that I can tell you where he shifted the pass like, so well when he needed to. And he reacted to pucks so well when he needed to. How many times did we see Lundqvist, like the old school toe up glove save, right? Yeah. Or toe up blocker save and, and reacting to pucks and kicking a leg. But he also knew when he needed to be technically uh, at his best in a certain situation that he was there. And uh, so for me, that is, that is the biggest thing that I see. And, and a lot of goaltenders, especially at the youth level, they think, well, I, I got to be point A to point B to point C to point D and do all of this the perfect way. Oh, there's a part you got to be loose. You got to play. Like, shake him off. Do some shoulder rolls. Let's go. Like, that's what it takes. Yeah, you want those loose hands in front. And, you yeah. know, the other thing, to, to play the position properly, I think you, you have to have almost creativity because you have to be you have to be willing to throw different save selections at, at shooters. You play – I mean, you play with Hashik. You never knew what he was going to do. I think some of his saves were just the shooter going, holy shit, what did he just do? He's barrel rolling. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. It also uh, very much different than, uh, you know, than today's goaltender and in, in the way that he played and, and what goalies now have to do or can do. Um, but there's still, again, that that side of the best goalies like Merzlikens in Columbus, right? Oh, my goodness. Like, he can come out of nowhere and all of a sudden kick a leg and, and make a save where they're like, oh, I did not think he was going to play it that way. Vasilevsky is very much like that too. So yeah. I, I do think there's an unic, you know, unexpectability that you have to have as a goaltender, but that's for more desperate situations. I still think the basics are your, your technical elements have to be really good. You have to be in the right spot to face the shot, but you have to react and, and, and Benny Allaire, my goalie coach in, in New York, him and his brother Francois, uh, used to always yell at us, question, answer, question, answer. The, the shot is the question, what's your answer as a goaltender? And if yeah. it's a high blocker shot, the answer is high blocker. It's not butterfly, hope it hits my shoulder. Uh, if it's a low glove shot, the, the answer is low glove. It's not butterfly, I hope it catches my toe. And so that to me, that question, answer, is is the part that needs to be developed. Oh, I love that. Uh, Benoit Allaire, one of the greats, and, you know, the whole evolution of the butterfly and everything. Marty, let, let me ask you, you know, has your phone rang? I thought maybe you were going to get did. into a Sabre game this year. No, uh, it and just did right now, deep. but it's not for that. Six goalies deep. <laughs> I mean, I'm going Doogie Howser's playing against the Flyers on Saturday. Which, again, like, okay, so, for example – everybody's telling me, what do you think of Michael Hauser? I'm like, the dude's got quick legs. Like, he he's does. not big. He's listed at 6'1". I think he's barely six foot, but whatever. Like, he looks a little smaller in that. Great legs. He's He moves well. He's got some good technical elements. 
I think what's held him back is at times he gives up a yeah, questionable goal here and there. And the Rasmus Ristolainen goal was one of those the other yeah, night. Like, it was a muffin. You know, you're up one nothing. Guy comes in, shoots it 5-0, and it goes through. Can't happen. And luckily for Michael Hauser, the Sabres were able to battle back. But that was a big goal in the game. Could have been a big difference. But, yeah, you got Michael Hauser now. Uh, you've got Aaron Dell. You had Malcolm Subban, Dustin Tukurski. Uko Pekalukinen, Craig Anderson. It's been a revolving door. It's been like that for a few years. I think the Sabres need to figure out where they're going with their goaltending. They have great, two great prospects waiting in the wings. And Devin Levi uh, at Northeastern, that's going to the Olympics, by the way, with Team Canada. And yeah. Eric Portillo at Michigan. The word is, is that Levi is going to turn pro this year and Portillo would play one more year at Michigan. So you kind of stagger them, right? Levi yeah. comes in. And goes to Rochester, has a great year, or hopefully has a great year. And then the next year, maybe Levi is your starter in Rochester, Portillo's your backup. And then the year later, Levi's in Buffalo, Portillo's your starter. And there's a, a staggering in the in the uh, farm system happening. But if you have to use five or six goalies next year, it doesn't matter. Maybe you're you got Levi playing in Buffalo some games. Uh, you yeah. know, kind of like when Carter Hart came up to Philly. Like it wasn't the plan, but plans. Sometimes uh, go to the garbage and you make a new plan. And, you know, you yeah. throw, throw that one in the garbage, you make a new plan. That's just the way it is. Yeah, you always have to stagger them because there's only one crease for each team. I mean, there's, it's not like a forward. You can, you can dress a ton of guys and get them ice time. Um, yeah. Jack Eichel being traded, you know, that was obviously a distraction around the Buffalo Sabres. Obviously a huge talent and all the acrimony between, you know, the procedure he wanted to have done. And eventually he's now a Vegas Golden Knight. They grab Tuck, they grab Krebs. You know, is this team moving in the right direction, Buffalo, now post-Jack Eichel? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, Needed uh, to happen, Jack, right? Jack, Jack is, a, in my opinion, and I know I'm getting a little pushback on that, but I think he's a top five talent in the NHL when healthy. Uh, maybe he's more five, six, or seven, like you consider McDavid, Dreisaitl, Matthews, McKinnon. Uh, and then now, okay, let's have the conversation. Who's there? Who's at five? Who's at six? Who's at seven? But I think Jack Eichel is in that conversation when healthy. Uh, yeah. So we'll see if he's healthy 100% in Vegas and how that that comes about. And he hasn't played in a long time. So it may not be this season, but over the next few years, we'll be able to see that. Uh, but it needed to happen. It's just one of those situations where, you know, it, the, the the relationship, not that it was bad between Eichel and the Sabres and Eichel and Kevin Adams, but he wanted something done. The Sabres didn't feel comfortable. You tried to make the best out of it for both party. It took a lot longer than I'm sure Eichel wanted, but the you know the Sabers got the they were looking for and like stuck and Peyton Krebs in the first round pick. But now you look at the Buffalo Sabers again. They found a center in Tage Thompson this year. They didn't think he was going to play center ever in his NHL career, and he's at center and he's having the best year of his career so far. So yeah. there's that. Casey Middlestat hasn't played a lot this year. He's supposed to come back on Tuesday night, um, which uh, would be great because that, that leaves him with a half a season ahead of him to uh, to continue his, his uh, development. But you've got him. You've got Dylan Cousins. So you've got three center down the middle. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. That's what you need, right? Um, you've got Rasmus Dahlin. You've got Owen Power. That's at Michigan right now. Mm -hmm. You've got Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka, Peyton Krebs in the minors. Uh, you got three first round picks this year. Uh, there's a ton, a ton of good pieces moving forward. Now it's all about managing it, developing them and, and surrounding them with, uh, with uh, the right supporting cast. I think Kyle Oposo has been great for the Sabres, although on the sideline right now with an injury, but he's been great as a veteran. Some Gus has been great as a veteran. There's been some, there's been some good pieces. But they also went and acquired some players this, this summer that they knew was only going to be on a one-year deal, right? And there's Bjork and Drake Kajula and Vinny Henestrosa, although Henestrosa has been really good. Um, you know, they they reacquired Mark Pissick. Uh, he has, was here before. Then he went to Florida and Dallas, played 4D, 4D, didn't know where to go. He's been great. Uh, but moving forward, I think Buffalo has got some really good pieces and Granado's done a great job trying to develop them.
And yeah. Seth Appert, too, in Rochester. I got to give Seth Appert some credit, a former goalie. Um, so maybe that's what you need. More goalies in, uh, in the organization, and uh, it works better that way. But he's done a great job with the Rochester Americans in, in trying to develop those guys and, and get them ready. He said before, we don't want them to be NHL players. We don't. We want them to be NHL stars. We don't want them to be significant NHL players. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, and goalies always, I you know, obviously I'm biased like you are, but yeah, goalies see the game, everything in front of them, so they see it from a different a different viewpoint, and they know the stresses, what stresses a goalie, and that helps you not only offensively as a coach, but it also helps you defensively as a coach. Um, yeah. Let me ask you about Claude Giroux because he's in the final year of his deal. We know the Flyers' season is sideways. The math is damn near impossible for them to get into any conversation about the playoffs. That would be foolhardy. Uh, do you expect that he will waive the no-move clause, Marty, and uh, go chase a cup with somebody else? I would think so. I think Claude Giroux – um, is the captain of the team. He's been, you know, the heart and soul for the last few years. They've already started last year with the trade of Jake Voracek. I thought, I think Cam Atkinson's been really good for the Flyers, by the way. So yeah. I've got no problem with that trade. Voracek wasn't going in the right direction. Um, so you make that trade. It worked out well for the Flyers. But I do think that Claude Giroux is going to move on. Um and, and I think also Claude's a really, really nice, good person. And I think he understands that for the Flyers, it's probably better as well, that they are yeah. able to trade him at the deadline and, and acquire somebody. He's been there for a long time, and I think he would want that for the team and want that for himself. Now, there was rumors this morning that maybe Colorado would be interested in Claude Giroux. I don't know that the, the money would work, and they really have to be creative with that, but um, Claude Giroux could be heading to a really, really competitive uh, Stanley Cup contender. Uh, I, Minnesota, I think, makes a lot of sense for me when St. I Louis look at too. Claude Giroux. St. Louis does as well. St. Louis is, uh, again, they don't have a lot of cap space, so that, yeah. that would have to be very, very tricky. I think Colorado, where they may be able to work something as if a guy like Samuel Girard was thrown in a deal. And and I really like Samuel Girard and he's on a very, very good deal. Um, I think at 5 million a year or close to, uh, and, and with the emergence of Kale McCarr and, and, you know, I mean, he's taken so much room all of a sudden Girard's taking a step back in the uh, ice time and all of it. So thinking Girard could go, Giroux could come in the money, try to make it all work. Yep. Um, I think that that could be a possibility at some point. Flyers could retain some of that salary, you know, uh, as well, because uh, they can and if you do, you're percent. getting you're getting something better. And it's as simple as that. As if you retain, you know, money on Claude yeah. Giroux, you can ask for more because yeah. teams are going to. So apparently Colorado was asking about Jack Eichel earlier this year with the Buffalo Sabres. But Colorado said, we need you to retain money. Sabres yep. were not willing to do it. But if the Sabres had said, we'll retain money. The only problem is it's for the next five years or whatnot. Yeah. Um, they probably could have gotten a really, really, really top end deal. They just didn't want to do that, which uh, understandable with the length of Jack Eichel's contract. Yeah. But on an expiring contract, retain money for the rest of the year, but get yeah. something better in a trade. That could be interesting. Yeah, why not? Last thing for you, Marty. Um, one of your good friends was up for the. Uh, reportedly up for the Montreal Canadiens general manager position. <laughs> I think he was a finalist, Danny Briere. Yeah. I, I, I know Danny, he went back to school. He went to Penn, uh, enrolled in the Wharton School of Finance, trying to further you know, his education and everything. Uh, he's going to be a GM eventually. How good of a GM is he going to be? Uh, he's going to be really good. Uh, Danny was always a smart uh, person, not just a smart hockey player. We called him Sneaky B for a reason because he was very <laughs> sneaky and very smart, which is a good quality to have when you're a general manager and you're trying to make trades and trying to, you know, draft people or whatnot. You're, you got to be having the certain sneakiness to it. So he was really good, always a student of the game. I tell the story that when Danny and I were a roommate in Buffalo and then we ended up, we weren't technically roommates in Philadelphia because we goalies all had their own rooms and Danny had his own room as well before the CBA changed that basically everybody has their own rooms now, but we always tried to get connecting adjoining rooms. So we'd open the door between the two and we'd have this large suite at the, the two of us. Right. But 
I had a sling box that was hooked up to my Canadian dish that we would be when, when NHL network was only in Canada, we're talking about 2006, 2007, 2008. It wasn't the U S yet. And every time we got on the road, I'd put my computer and clicked it into the wire and then, you know, dialed the AOL or whatever it was at the time. And, you know, got the, the, the system up and I connected the sling box and we'd be watching the highlights of all the games around the NHL. We'd show up to the rink the next morning, be like, oh, did you see that, that play last night? How about this guy? How about this game? And guys would be like, what, what are you talking about? Like, they didn't have highlights on ESPN. We didn't see any of it. <laughs> well, oh, well, Danny and I did. Like, we we had it all. We were studying the game. We were students of the game. We, we liked that aspect of it. And I think Danny's still that guy, that student of the game, even though he's, He's mature, uh, smarter now probably than when we were, you know, 27, 28 years old, uh, 30 years old. But he, um, I think he's going to be a GM soon. I think he's going to be a really good GM. I think he was really close to the job in Montreal from what I'm gathering from uh, my people in Montreal. I uh, can't use Matthew Darsh, Danny Briere. Those were the top three guys. And yep. Danny was really close to the top of the list. Uh, the relationship that Jeff Gordon developed over the years with Kent Hughes, I think made that, that, that partnership probably uh, over the top. Not that they're best buddies. And Jeff Gordon said, he's not my best friend, but they've been working together as an agent, assistant general manager, assistant general manager for, you know, but Patrice Bergeron was the first time they worked together when they negotiated negotiated his entry-level deal. That's 18 years ago or whatnot. Yeah. So that that probably weighted more, but I think the next guy in line was Danny, and uh, I think he was really close to getting a job. Yeah, he will end up with one, and he's a great guy as well. Marty, you are one of the great guys that we love talking to as well. Thanks so much for the time today, man. I hope everything is well with you and your family. And, well, uh, we were we were well until 13 seconds left in the Bills Kansas City game last night. And oh. to be honest with you, I'm still like again, I'm an attention to details type of uh, a person and game management. And I hate when players don't know the time or players don't know the situation or players don't execute what you're telling them to do. And I don't know what happened to the Bills last night. They were supposed to kick in in the end zone or they were supposed to back off of. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey like they did and give Mahomes two passes to get in the field goal range. But I am, and I'm a fan. I'm a big Bills fan. Yeah. So I am really livid this morning that this happened. I, I'm so disappointed for Josh Allen because he had an unbelievable game. Yeah. And you guys know in Philadelphia, you know Andy Reid. He's really smart. I got to meet Andy Reid a couple of times. So now I'm going to cheer for him because I want him to have as much success as he can. But um, the, the Bills gifted this game in the last two minutes, really, uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm disappointed. Yeah, sometimes you got to have that heartbreak and, and learn from it. <laughs> They did last people. year. They, they yeah. lost to Kansas City <laughs> in the AFC the championship game. And they got blown out. They were up 9 nothing, and then everything fell apart. But last, what they said last year was, we need to be better on, on defense. We need to rush the quarterback without blitzing, which they did almost every play last night. They didn't blitz. Yeah. They rushed the quarterback, and they dropped back. But they need jam. They need to jam Kelsey and, and Hill at the line of scrimmage. Come on, yeah. here can't let him run free 20 yards and get a pass 13 seconds left i'm losing it oh are, are you one of those guys one of the bills mafia throwing people through tables at the tailgate i don't jump through tables but i'll <laughs> tell you this i went to one game this year the bills beat the uh houston texans 40 nothing at home it rained from the kickoff all the way till the end of the game and i stayed in my seat and stood in my seat drenched drenched from head to toe i'm telling you it was but i was right there people were going back underneath to cover up whatever me my four kids we were standing there we lived it from start to finish ah, so awesome. yeah we don't jump through tables but we're there i love it <laughs> that's great uh marty good luck with the heartache with the bills good luck with the rest of the season we'll talk again soon man thanks for doing this as always absolutely thanks a lot there he is, Martin Biron, as we continue on here with Stick to Hockey Live. Love talking to Marty. Gave us 50 minutes, and uh, he's far too kind for doing it. And as you guys know, and you could hear him, and he's just a great guy and a great guy to talk to about hockey, about goaltending, about 
the Flyers, about the Sabres and everything else, and Jack Eichel. Uh, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff with Marty Biron. What a great way to start the week, and uh, thanks to him uh, once again for joining us on Stick to Hockey Live. Park Sportsbook presents, and let me tell you about Parks because you got to get the app downloaded on your uh, Android or your iOS uh, phone, and it's so simple to use. You're going to love it and get in on all the action. You got games tonight. Uh, you got uh, big, big football weekend coming. And uh, one that just passed as well. Just incredible action uh, in the NFL this past weekend. Uh, so make sure you get the the Park Sportsbook app and, and get in on the action. Same game parlays, uh, player performances. You, know, you can bet the normal stuff too. Money line spreads, props, parlays, all that stuff. You can do it all. Uh, but make sure you check out the app because it's, it's really easy to navigate. You don't need to be uh, some kind of uh, Mensa Society member. To, to be able to navigate this app and get in on the action. And again, no promo required right now. You just get the app, open up an account. Your first bet is risk-free up to $500. Risk-free. No prom- no hoops to jump through. Just get the app and open up an account, and you are good to go and get that $500 risk-free bet. Also, uh, you got to follow them on their social channels, at Park Sportsbook on Twitter. Follow them on Instagram, Facebook. And YouTube, you get content there, daily specials, and much more. Uh, Flyers, stars tonight, by the way. Stars are minus 162 in Philadelphia tonight. And that would mean that, uh, I mean, they're a road minus 162 favorite. Oh, my goodness. That is crazy. Uh, let's look at some goal scores here uh, for the game and some odds. Joe Pavelski for the first goal of the game is plus 1,000. Oof. Last goal plus a thousand and a hundred plus one fifty five to score. Uh, look at a guy like Jamie Ben plus fifteen hundred for the first goal plus two sixty five to score for the uh, Dallas Stars. Miro Heiskanen plus nineteen hundred for the first goal three fifty to score in the game. So some interesting one. How about Cam Atkinson plus two hundred to score. Giroux coming off two goals against Buffalo plus two ten. Konechny's got a couple goals in his last three games plus two sixty five. That's not a bad bet. Uh, so get in on the action. Use the Park Sportsbook app. It's right here. It's simple to use. I just did it while doing the show, and uh, you're, you're not going to regret it. And you get in on the great action with Park Sportsbook. Coming up tomorrow, uh, we have our episode, I think it's eight, of the Aji's podcast, myself and Harry Mays. That is Tuesday at 1.30. We'll be back Thursday with another brand-new episode of Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Thanks to everybody for watching. Thanks to everybody for listening. Leave us a rating and review, and make sure you – you subscribe as well, and uh, that helps other hockey fans find this podcast. And special thanks to Marty Biron, who was just awesome uh, joining us today. Everybody, have a great rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you coming up on All G's tomorrow and Stick to Hockey Live coming up on Thursday. Have a great Monday.